Did Apple just reinvent eyeglasses? Glasses haven't changed that much in maybe over 500 years. You take glass, you grind it to a shape, refract the angle of light that's impacting your eye, and you see better, hopefully. A new Apple patent, however, seems to indicate that Apple is working on glasses that will change as your prescription changes, and maybe, just maybe, do even more than that. To learn a little bit more, we're joined by Robert Scoble. Robert Scoble is currently the Chief Strategy Officer at Infinite Retina. Welcome, Robert. Hey, how are you doing? Actually, as of a few hours ago, I'm not. <laughs> so I just announced. That oh, wow. I'm yeah, I know. I knew. I didn't know it was, um, you know, as of a couple hours ago. So yeah. uh, you are now Robert Scoble, private citizen. Um, yes. <laughs> And maybe we'll talk about that a little later if you want to, but yeah. let's jump into this patent. Uh, what's your understanding of the patent? There's a lot of patents going on. Um, the way an, somebody who's inside Apple explain it is um, it it almost uh, bends the light coming into the glass so it corrects your vision. The problem is that there's a belief in, in Apple that you really need a camera to do this. So, which which leads to the the range of rumors that you're hearing about Apple, right? They're everything from John Prosser said, oh, they're doing a cheap $500 pair of glasses with a LiDAR and no camera and sort of plastic or some aluminum material all the way up. I hear they have 19 different prototypes that they're working on, which shows the effort that Apple's doing. This is a multi-billion dollar effort going into uh, eyeglasses and thinking through literally everything. The the holy grail, I mean, I, in 10 years, what, what they're wanting to do is you put on a pair of glasses and it sees inside your eye and bends the, the optic or changes the optic in a way that corrects your vision perfectly. So you don't need to go to an optometrist. The cheap end of the product line, you still need corrective lenses of some kind. And so you still need to go to an optometrist like I did for these glasses and get your eyes checked and you find out you have a, you know nearsighted and you need a stigmatism fix and stuff like that and you can't read very well so these these lenses actually are progressive right they, yes they're i can see distance on top and close up at the bottom right and they're they're pretty cool. And these cost $1,500, by the way. These are expensive glasses, the titanium frame. These are the You're best. You're almost getting into smart glass territory there. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, that's why people like me are like, bring it on, right? I have to wear glasses every day. I don't have the resistance to that. I, I know that these augment my world. When I put them on, the whole world gets sharper. If I don't wear them, the world isn't as good, right? And so I'm used to wearing eyeglasses. And I, I studied um, eyeglass making uh, down at Oakley. I got a tour with the CEO and they, they showed me, Oakley is the R&D lab for Luxottica Essilor, right? Which is a multi-billion dollar company, a $54 billion company. It's a big company. They own all the eyeglass frames. Like They, they own all the brands or most of the important brands like Ray-Ban and uh, Oakley and uh, eyeglass hut and stuff like that, right? Sunglasses. 
<clears throat> and so they they um, design their own optics. They make their own optics in America, which is really pretty cool. And they do a lot of R&D on, on making eyeglasses. Well, Apple is going to try to disrupt them the same way that they disrupted the Swiss watch industry, right? They took a good chunk out of the Swiss watch industry by coming out with watches. And now people, you know, most people don't get excited about buying a new Casio anymore. You know, <laughs> I remember my dad used to bring home a new Casio every year or two and go, hey, look, mine has a calculator now. Or mine has a, <laughs> nobody cares about that anymore, right? It's Apple's. Good uh, stuff, Dick Tracy. Yeah. And Apple is going to try to do a variety of things to disrupt eyeglasses to help you see better with uh, a lightweight uh, approach to technology. I got a HoloLens here so I can explain basics of where what the technology is. This is almost like an ugly prototype of what's coming. Almost, almost. Years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let's back up two seconds. And and so somebody who's just tuned in and doesn't hasn't following smart glasses, isn't following augmented reality yeah. or whatever is going like, what are you talking about? Apple makes computers. They make the iPhone. They make other things like that. Situate Apple's work in glasses yeah. for that person. Well, think about, you know, the use cases, right? You're driving a car. Why are you looking down at a screen, at, at a phone screen, you know, to see a map or to see a number or to pick up a call? Why are you even touching this or picking it up? If you had a screen on your face that you could talk to, you could just say, hey, Siri, pick up that call, right? Or, hey, Siri, answer. Or, hey, Siri, reject and send a message. And this is, right? Look, it's... It's trying to listen to me right now, right? Yes. And if you have those basics, now you can compute while riding a mountain bike or driving a car or walking through a shopping center, stuff like that. If you start adding on a lot of smarts, and the reason I brought my Microsoft HoloLens, my Microsoft HoloLens has four little cameras on the front, which actually make a 3D image of your room and uh, basically a map of your room. And once you have that, and if you spread it out of your room and into the shopping mall or into uh, other places, you can put virtual things on top or replace things, like you can replace the floor and make it something new, different, like a video game, right? You can then fly things in the air and they could bounce off the walls like balls, right? Because this thing understands the 3D space it's in. That's why we call it spatial computing because you're you're now computing as you're moving through space, right? Mm -hmm. No longer are you tied to little rectangular pieces of glass to compute. You can compute on literally everything, right? And that's it's almost a magic leap. It it is, and that's what Magic Leap was trying to do, and that's why they got uh, three point something billion dollars now, right? Because the promise of this is really extraordinary. It's, it's going to change all computing eventually. It's just, we're like looking at early mobile prototypes right now. And, you know, the Palm Pilot hasn't even come out. We're starting to talk about, well, someday everybody's going to have a phone in their pocket. And so I, a lot of people look at me like a crazy person, right? But I, I know what the tech industry does. The tech industry takes something that's big and expensive and ugly and makes it, super small, super cheap, 
and super usable, right? So in 10 years, this HoloLens is in my pair of glasses, and now I have things coming out of the walls, and I have all sorts of media utility. And this radically changes all sorts of jobs, right? It already changed the F-35 fighter jet pilot, right? If you want to fly an F-35 plane and you're in the Air Force, you have to learn how to use augmented reality. And one of the pilots told me, I will never lose to an F-16 because I can see him and he can't see me. Because I have augmented reality glasses that lets him see through the plane to the F-16 underneath him, right? So he can see underneath because magic, right? We can now visualize the battle space in a new way. Well, that technology is going to come to surgery, to factory lines, to car driving, right? And calling a car is going to be done with these kind of glasses, to buying things, right? You know, you you don't want to touch anything anymore because of the virus scares. So when you go into 7-Eleven, you want to buy, a, you know, a gallon of milk, you can just tell the guy, just charge me for a gallon of milk, you know, and it'll uh, do Apple Pay right from the glasses, right? Mm-hmm. Thanks mm-hmm. to the, all sorts of technology that's coming, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. all and of that's going to the next decade, right? It's yeah. from piece by piece by piece in the next decade. You're, you're already seeing this year, Enreal um, is a company in China that's coming out with a pair of glasses that's a lot smaller, much more like eyeglasses than this, right? Uh, you're seeing Focals by North, which is, uh, mm-hmm. uh, it looks like a regular pair of eyeglasses. It doesn't have the magic of the magic leap for the HoloLens, but, you know, it shows you that the, that you can put a computer in a pair of eyeglasses. They're getting a that. very simple one so far, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. when we get there eventually, it will make augmented reality come alive. Right now, like you're saying, it's on that little rectangle of glass in your hand. And yeah. sure, you can look at the world through that little lens, yeah. or the whole world can be that lens in some sense, right? So, I mean, we're talking, what, five, 10 years away? What do you think? Uh the first Apple glasses are coming in 2022. Focals by North are coming this fall in 2020. Magic Leap has another pair coming 2021. Enreal uh, has a pair coming later this year. And even if all those dates slip by six months, who cares? You know, it's it's yeah. it's next year. To there's all sorts of new stuff coming in the next 24 months. So we're just at the beginning of this revolution, right? Now, does any of that work with consumers? Does it, does it sell to everybody? Probably not. Probably another five years before everybody can afford one of these. And maybe another five years after that before they're so amazing and so great that everybody's forced to wear them. Well, that's the I, interesting point, actually, when it comes to Apple, because Apple typically doesn't release like a developer version of something, right? Mm-hmm. You don't typically, you didn't have a developer release. No, but they did iPhone. do the Newton. What's that? They did do the Newton. Remember the Newton came and then the Palm Pilot, then the, you know, the Trio, then a whole bunch of Nokia phones, then the iPhone a decade later, right? The Newton the was iPhone, a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a decade before the iPhone came, right? Yeah. And so yeah. that's why I think this, this cycle is going to happen faster than phones did because of the extraordinary investment being done at Facebook and um, Apple and Google and other places. And Avi is asking me uh, about Mojo Vision, which we should talk about. Mojo Vision is a little company two miles from here that's making uh, contact lenses. And they have a really, really small uh, display 
that basically fits right in the iris yes. and sprays light backwards into your eye and you can see images or uh, uh, words on on a contact lens i think for consumers for a while glasses are a better way to go they're going to be a higher resolution and easier to use for a whole lot of reasons and you know people like me don't like putting things on their eye and yes and, you know there's still some complexity there and, and <clears throat> They have serious engineering problems. Um, they have a couple hundred million dollars to build these contact lenses, and they're working through battery life, heat, uh, radiation problems. Uh, how do you connect these things? What's the operating system, right? There's a lot of really fundamental uh, science that has to go in to make a product like that possible for consumer. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think you're going to see them ship something for enterprises sometimes in the same 24 months. Yeah, you know? yeah. I will be surprised if we see Apple release something that isn't significantly usable yeah. for a significant purpose because I, I can't see Apple doing something like Microsoft did with early no. versions of no, They're not going to ship something like that. this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Cook knows better than that, right? Um, no, when Apple does move, it's going to be with a product that is a, appealing to a lot of consumers, right? It's mm -hmm. going to be like the watch or the AirPods. And yeah. they're going to have thought it through. For, from what I'm hearing, they're doing more human factor testing on these Apple products than Apple has ever done combined on any other product, right? So they're putting a lot of effort to make sure that they nail what you're talking about. They have to look good. They have to feel good. They have to give good utility and they have to be a decent price that people can afford. Right. And it has to augment the Apple ecosystem, the iPhone ecosystem. Right. And that's a lot. That's a it lot. Is a lot. It is a lot, but it is also a major revolution in yeah. computer human interface. Yes. Um, situate it maybe for us for a moment with the other revolutions that we've had with computer human yeah. interfaces, right? I mean, we, we had three major ones, right? <laughs> and we got screens, we got keyboards, we got mice, well, right? In um, my book, we laid them out. There's, this is the fourth paradigm, real paradigm shift of computing, right? The, the first one was tech screens with an Apple II or something like that, right? And a, 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 a TRS-80 from Radio Shack, something like that. Second one was the GUI that the Macintosh brought, but really wasn't popular for another decade until Windows 95 came along, right? Yep. And then mobile phones uh, kicked along for a long time, like we said, Newton and then Trio and then Nokia phones and Blackberries and all sorts of devices. And then the iPhone comes along and really nails this new use case. And now everybody uses a phone that looks like an iPhone, right? And this next paradigm shift is computing that you you use while walking around, right? While moving around in, in space. And there's different slices to it. There's VR, which is gonna be much more immersive and it feels like you're in an IMAX theater and you're able to really uh, it, um, be immersed inside the video. This way, um, most of the people building VR call themselves immersive designers or de developers, right? But it, VR brings you presence, which means you feel like you're together with somebody. AR can do some of that, but VR really is the pure drug because you're totally in a virtual environment and 
with a big, huge screen. And by the way, we're going to see many new products from the VR side over the next 24 months as well. Uh, HP has a new device coming. Sony is rumored to be announcing one with the PlayStation. We'll see if they announce on uh, the 11th with the PlayStation 5. Uh, there's a new Oculus Quest coming, right? So there's a lot of new devices coming in the next 12 to 18, 24 months from the VR side as well. And that's going to be pretty interesting for a whole lot of things, for, for entertainment at home, for personalized media viewing, for exercise. Ex I'm yeah. getting exercise now that I never used to get, right? Um, in my headset, right? Yeah. And then you're going to see this eyeglass thing, and they're and they're both going to come from separate points of view, and they're going to converge probably in 2025 to 2030. And Facebook is coming out of the VR world, right, with the Oculus Quest, and they're going to get closer and closer to eyeglasses. And then Apple's going to come with eyeglasses and get closer and closer to VR, right? Mm -hmm. So and get them more and more featured and more and more powerful and as computers continue to shrink over the next decade, you're going to see the two come together. And, and yep. I expect we'll have one pair of device that does pretty, pretty cool stuff for both VR and AR. But for the next three to seven years, I think you're going to have two separate devices, one for playing games, training, uh, being entertained, being immersed in media, being in the sporting event, right. Being in the, in the uh, arena, and then these lighter weight glasses that give you utility while living your life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, got some famous people on uh, watching and commenting. So yeah, I exactly. exactly. And only some that. of those are going up there because only some are relevant and giving given time. But in in some sense, the the VR people have a, a harder task in terms of uh, painting all the pixels. In other senses, they have an easier task because it's something that you use occasionally it's not yeah. something that you're intending to wear 15 hours a day or something like that it's yeah. hard to build something that you can have utility with while you're having a conversation like we are right now maybe yeah. in real life while yeah. you're walking while you're driving or other things like that yeah it's um this is the engineering problem that apple and facebook are uh fitting into this right the optics, the, the, the little uh, screens that are inside, you know, a HoloLens or a Magic Leap or a, a device or an Enreal generally give you about a 40 to 50 degree field of view. So field of view means with HoloLens, I get to see um, about slice. A, 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 a box about this big. So I'm not immersed. It's not like being in an IMAX theater. Like with VR, I get 90 to 110 degree field of view. My human eye can almost see 180 degree field of view, right? So even with VR, I sometimes see a edge to the display, right? It doesn't bother me because the display is so big visually, right? With these eyeglasses, they're having to make choices on size and on battery life and heat, and so they're having to go with with devices or, or uh, ways to put light in your eye that reduce the resolution or um, aren't as bright, aren't as colorful, aren't as contrasty. This is a problem with Magic Leap, right? When, when I wear a Magic Leap, particularly if I try to do it outside, it doesn't look very good. It's almost unusable, right, in mm -hmm. bright sunlight. Mm -hmm. And so now Apple's going to have to really come up with a, smart way to put light into your eyes without using much power 
because you don't want big ass batteries on your head yeah. while you're mountain biking or running yeah. or shopping in a shopping mall, right? You want really small glasses. And so the, the, right now we're in this kind of uh, uh, space where the technologists who are building this, these devices really have to make trade-offs, right? Yeah. They have to decide, are you going to go for a big field of view? You can do that. I, I just saw some optics coming from Loomis in Israel that give a 90 degree field of view with 20,000 or 10,000 nits, really bright images, but they're, they're, the projectors are big, right? Yeah. And they need a battery, a big battery to fire them. And they cost money, right? Yeah. I mean, a HoloLens is $3,500 and Magic Leap is $2,500, right? And, they're, and right now these are fairly big devices. You, you've got to make a trade-off. Do you, do you want that or do you want a smaller pair of glasses, you know, like Focals by North that have a, a much smaller field of view and much less resolution to work with? Good and for a limited feature set. What's that? And a limited feature set. Yeah, but still pretty exciting, right? Yeah. Because if you see your wife calling and you see notifications and you see your heart rate while you're running and you, you can see a whole bunch of utility stuff and if you get your vision augmented like like you can you can make it work at night right mm -hmm. think about this one right these little sensors are making a 3d map of my house yes and so my hololens already knows literally every centimeter of my house right yep so why do i need the lights on to walk around my house it yes. knows where it is yes. in space Yes. And it's spraying an invisible grid of light on this on the world. This is what the LiDAR is in a new iPhone or new iPad, right? There's a little one on your iPhone, right? It's aimed at your face and it does face recognition. That's 30,000 points of little data on your face. The iPhone coming this fall is going to have 300,000 points of data. So now you start aiming that thing around your house and it's going to start doing magic, right? Yes. It's going to start doing really pretty advanced, I call it next generation augmented reality, really advanced stuff with your house. So, and yeah, not you can your augment outside as well. What's that? And not just in your house at some point outside as well. Yes. And, and that's where you start talking about the AR cloud, right? Mm -hmm. and, and when, when you start talking to Niantic who makes Pokemon go and just bought a company called 6D.ai, they were building a, a map of the world in 3D, right? With a whole bunch of data on top of that map. So Niantic knows where every park in the world is because their users for po Pokemon Go taught the system where every park is. And as soon as you play Pokemon Go and start moving your camera around, it's imaging the park and adding that data to their map. And so they know all sorts of stuff. Their, their maps are huge now, petabytes. And they're starting to do that with your living room as well. So now think about wearing a pair of glasses and you can play Pokemon Go while walking around. And it's going to be pretty damn amazing. And they're building a platform that other developers can build all sorts of new things on top of this new grid of polygons around the world, uh, new AR cloud. Very, very interesting. We had a comment here I'm going to bring back from Chad, and he said, how does conversational AI fit into this space? Seems like pretty obvious integration. Agree with that. 
Yeah. The interesting part on that is that Apple's AI is not very strong compared no. to major competitors, let's say no, Google don't, and don't some others, assume, perhaps even Facebook. Don't assume Siri of tomorrow is going to be the same as Siri of today, right? I, I do not make that assumption. <laughs> but frankly, Siri sucks in a lot of ways. And, and I had dinner with the guy who runs Siri team at Apple three, almost four years ago now, right? And I said, what, what are you learning? Siri was launched in my son's bedroom. So I have good relationships with the, with the team that launched Siri. They, they like me a lot. So I said, what are you learning by being at Apple? And he said, I'm learning that Google's beating me. This was yeah. four years ago. And I said, how do you know that? Because well, we instrumented Google and we see that Google is learning faster than our AI is learning. And they're adding more features than we are, right? Yep. This was four years ago. Now, I assume that Tim Cook figured this out too and is spending a lot of money and he's been buying AI company left and right, little ones that you haven't even heard of. In fact, he's been buying companies that I hear about starting at Stanford and they don't even ship a product and they just get sucked into the beast of Apple, right? And now think about what the advantage of having a LiDAR on your face with conversational AI. Yeah. If I try to ask Siri, hey, hey Siri, how big is this? It has no clue what I'm talking about. It doesn't know that I'm looking at a coffee mug. Yeah. But in two years, you're gonna look at this and the LiDAR is gonna go and image it and compare it to other mugs. And it's gonna know the brand name of this coffee mug and it's gonna know where it came from and it probably knows how much it costs, right? And it's going to say, oh, that's a 16-ounce uh, Contigo cup, right? And, and if you fill it with this liquid, that's how many calories you're ingesting. There we go. <laughs> now you really can understand the world because it knows it, these glasses are going to have eye sensors that see what you're looking at, right? So if I start looking at that cup and I ask Siri, how big is that cup? It's going to have an answer for me someday and so will others you know facebook is working on this kind of thing uh there's all sorts of students I, I, a little company out of berkeley um showed this to me and um chooch ai is the company c-h-o-o-c-h dot ai and they already have a trainable ai that's trainable on video so you can just you know circle this and say that's a coffee cup from uh contigo and train the system. And then from then on, everybody who sees one of these, it'll say, oh, that's a Contigo copy, yeah. right? Yeah. And this is how Tesla's training on the world, right? My Tesla, when I bought my Tesla, it didn't know anything about the world. Now it sees garbage cans and it sees uh, lane markings and it sees all sorts of stuff. It sees stoplights. Right? Ultimately, what you could see this being used as, as Apple gets that technology, is a stealth way to improve their AI, to improve their knowledge of the world, mapping obviously, but also the everyday objects we, we engage with and make Siri as intelligent as it needs to be. And now we get into the privacy promise because, <laughs> you know, I, I have a Facebook camera over here, right? A Facebook portal. And probably it'll turn on now because I just said it's keyword. And I call that thing the ISORON because it's it wakes up when I get in front of it, right? So it's always looking, and then it does things based on what's happening in the room. But what happens when chooch.ai gets put into the Facebook 
portal. Yep. Now I can see that I'm eating cereal, Cheerios, right? And it can see that I went into the kitchen and pulled a, a gallon of milk out of the out of the refrigerator. And it can see how who is in the kitchen with me, right? My son. Uh, you think that uh, Facebook doesn't have great face recognition? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So it knows who's in the kitchen, who eats what, who touches what, how much do they consume, right? And now what do they do with that data? Does, yep. Do they even collect that data? Do they process that data? Where does that data get stored? Who, who gets to touch that data? That's a yeah. lot of data. And think about now, I'm going to be wearing a pair of glasses with a LiDAR that's watching everything I touch, everything I look at, everything I interact with. That's pretty And simple. everyone you interact with. Bingo. And Facebook is planning on doing all sorts of magic stuff. When you meet a friend in the street, it'll go, boo, 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 and I'll say, oh, you'll, I'll see your uh, 3D uh, costume that you just bought and set somebody made for you, right? And I'll be like, yep. yeah, nice costume, right? It'll be yeah. like, I, I say in 10 years, we're going to have Burning Man 24 hours a day in the streets, you know? And people react to me saying this, but you're all going to use it. <laughs> you're, you're all going to be in because... It's going to bring a lot of utility for that privacy, right? Well, but we have to have a conversation about what is what what's the downside of the of the utility. There, there's a lot of utility, and uh, we have to talk about that. But we have to talk about the the scary side of it too. We absolutely do. I mean, we we started entering the Ready Player One world, right? Um, and 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 that is the world that we are heading towards. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Um, but who owns that data, and how can you? We actually need that data, right? I need that data. I want to know how much I'm ingesting. Um, and I can't easily say that right now. I want to know many things about who I'm interacting with, who I'm engaging with. I see you on the street five years from now. Uh, I'm going to remember you, but there's many people that I've met that are that are maybe Facebook friends that I don't have a clue who they are if I see them. But In I would five years, know. how do you know it's really me? <laughs> I, I, I've seen AIs that scan the 3D image of me, and then there's AIs that can talk to you, right? So, hey, I might send my bot on your show and you won't know until you ask a very specific question. And Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Mary, Mary is asking about GDPR and all these regulations. The regulators are going to struggle with, with figuring out what is the right thing to do. And the companies themselves are struggling. IBM mm -hmm. just yesterday announced they're not going to do any facial recognition software anymore. Right. I saw that. I'm a little cynical about that because I don't think they're very good at it anyway. So I think it's an easy decision to make. But, <laughs> but it's funny. I, you know, 10 years ago, I met the guy who started face.com and who's, who is a face recognition system that Facebook bought. And I talked to him like the week after Facebook bought him. And I said, All right. So what's, what are you going to do? He goes, he goes, You shouldn't be scared of our algorithm. You should be scared that we have two billion photos. <laughs> yeah. right? you know? In other words, they have the ability to do amazing face recognition, right? And yes. and you see this. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I I was filming a video a, a couple months ago of my family, and a friend walked in the picture, and instantly it said, "Would you like to tag Andy?" <laughs> and I'm like, wow. I'm like, oh. 
the, wow. the thing is fast and it's hooked up and it knows all my friends, right? So it knows who's probably going to be, it can reduce the set of choices, right? And be freaking. And you said, Andy, what did you build? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's crazy what's potentially possible, and and yeah, we we need to have some conversations about what's possible, what's probable, what's what's good, what's bad. You know, it's it's interesting. My when I got my Google Glass home, my wife, the first question she asked me is, "Does that show me anything about people?" And there's and that gets to we we have a need for remembering names yes. right i even at a conference you're wearing a badge i i was at davos and i met this guy that said peter pyatt right bill and melinda gates foundation was very very memorable and people around him were talking to, scientific to him so i knew he was a scientist of some kind i knew he was famous at some point because he's at davos and he works for bill and melinda gates and they don't hire dummies right so he's fascinating dude but I couldn't get on Wi-Fi. There was no Wi-Fi where the party was. And Google so I, I couldn't Google him. I get back to the conference center and Google him. Well, he discovered the Ebola virus, right? Now, if my glasses had said, hey, he discovered the Ebola virus, we would have had a completely different conversation that night, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, yes. But, you know, this is the expectation. We want we want these kinds of memory aids and, and we're going to ask for them. I, I mean, um, you know, um, if your family member has dementia and can't remember your name, that's frustrating for them. It causes a lot of anger amongst dementia patients because they can't remember anything. And it's frustrating for the family member. So put on a pair of glasses and it reminds them, oh, that's John. <laughs> that's your son. <laughs> you I, know? Think that's I think that's <laughs> at your face. And so you can, your brain can stay together a little bit more and, yeah. you know, survive a little bit more and even have a little bit more fun with life right and that's and you get augmented in ways that don't require being plugged in uh yeah. which we think may happen at some point as well but i think that's right. absolutely huge absolutely that's way after my time <laughs> <laughs> maybe not maybe not, not long <laughs> <laughs> depends what elon musk has to say about that you know what if i if i get parkinson's and my hands are shaking like this and i can't hold a cup of water what do they do they put a probe into your brain. I met the surgeons who do this. It costs $150,000. They put a probe in your brain. They find the place where that's causing this shaking. They turn on electricity mm -hmm. and they stop it. Mm -hmm. And it, it cures the, the, the Parkinson's. It, you can go to yeah. YouTube and see the effect of uh, deep brain stimulation and it stops their hands from shaking. So yeah. if I get Parkinson's tomorrow and, and in a year my hands are shaking like that, I'm signing up for that. Right. Well, mm -hmm. that's not far from Neuralink. Yeah. So you start thinking, okay, well, what's the next step? That's what Elon Musk is working on with Neuralink is putting little wires on the brain to do things for you, um, yep. to, to remind you of things, to tell you things, and to let you communicate with uh, the digital Siri, right? But without voice. So version uh, 50,000 Apple glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's four. actually an eyeball. Right. Version <laughs> connected with the God optic turns. nerve. God plugs in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and yep. that, that's literally scary for a lot of people. I think if you come at it as a Parkinson's uh, sufferer, it's not scary at all. You're you're signed in, right? You're very willing to, to sign up for the side effects that come with putting something in your brain to having somebody drill into your head 
and have a little robot stitching yeah. up some wires. I'm in. Yeah. It's just, we're so early right now, it's hard to conceive of that world. And it's hard to conceive of the utility. Mm-hmm. But the people who tell me about brain uh, and, and have let me experience some of it, you start thinking things and things happen, right? So think about having a third arm in a video game, shooting, right? Or something, throwing a football. I can throw three footballs at one time, right? Yep. Because my brain can I can start hooking up to a virtual limb or a robotic one, right? Yep. Think about driving a new kind of robot where I'm working a factory line and I'm controlling six arms with my brain. And that's exactly what Kathy Hackle and I talked about last week on Tech First as well. So we're going to have to draw this one to a close. Uh, It has been fascinating. I do want to thank you, Robert, for being part of this. Uh, Much appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's going to be a a real interesting decade. It already is. It's Every day is something new. It already is. I call it the change decade. There's actually three major economic shocks coming. Technology is number two. And climate change is number three. And I think the technology I'm talking about is going to be a real important part of solving the climate change problem as well and some of the other fundamental problems we have. I absolutely agree. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Tech First, everybody who's been along with us. My name is John Katsir, of course. Appreciate you being along for the ride. Uh, whatever platform you're watching on, please like, subscribe, share, comment, or all of the above. If you're on the podcast later on, hey, rate it, review it. That'd be a massive help. Until next time, thank you so much. And this is John Kutir with Tech First.